Hello, Justin. Happy New hey. Year. What's up, J-Rod? Happy New Year to you. Hey there. Welcome, everyone, to Crypto Open Night. For Justin and I, J-Rod, we're excited to host this space where we can talk about all things crypto-related and blockchain. We're powered by Benzinga. And are you ready to dive into crypto? Absolutely. I'm excited today to talk about um, our subject, which is uh, self-custodying digital assets and the pros and cons of doing that. Huge topic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's been, um, you know, it's been uh, something that's been on people's minds a lot, obviously, with uh, with people looking for ways to protect themselves versus centralized exchanges, which have gotten rather a bad, uh, rather a bad rap over the past little while, ever since FTX, Alameda, Sam Bankman Freed, all the things that I feel like we've been condemned to continually talk about for the past two months. Yeah, yeah, it's like a super trending topic, and every time, like a few years, it's always pop ups again, right? It's it's based basically on education. It's one of the key key parts of crypto, you know, like uh -huh. being able to to have the freedom, but also the responsibility. So we have a lot of things to talk about. Yeah, and, and as we've uh, we've been talking about, you know, uh, there is this whole idea of uh, of my my keys, my crypto. People like the the control of being able to uh, of being able to custody their assets themselves. And of course, in many ways, this makes sense. But surprisingly, we've had uh, you know CZ uh, of Binance, who has been a huge proponent of. Um, being able to self-custody assets, uh, he has started to come out and talk about the dangers of self-custody, which has been kind of an interesting turn of events. And I That's think right. in some what, ways... What do you think that, that was, like, the motivation of that big change in his speech, like, <laughs> the from one week to another, right? Because when FTX drama started, he was clearly saying remove your money from exchanges but it seems like people took it seriously and start doing it and then he was in kind of problems or or that's what yeah, he right. was saying and then he started right. to change his his motivation and his speech to to say that it may be risky for the regular user to to be 100% on self custody wallets but i'm not sure if i agree what do you think um, I think that the points that he makes are valid, of course, you know, being that what if you lose your keys? What if, as happened with a Bitcoin core, a core developer recently, you know, somehow your computer itself gets hacked or compromised? Um, you know, th these are all real dangers, but his motivation for coming out and saying this is I, I slightly suspect whether whether this isn't a little bit self-serving. Because basically, yeah. uh, the events of FTX and Alameda have people scrutinizing not only centralized exchanges, but everybody that wishes to hold on to uh, to customer customer money for them. So, but if I could jump you know, in, uh, of course. Guess. Hello, would you like to introduce you uh, yourself sure. first? Uh, this is uh, James Haft. I'm the uh, the uh, chairman of the board of DLTX. We're a publicly listed company that 
is building out the infrastructure required for decentralized communications in Web3. Um, and we trade in Norway uh, under the ticker DLTX. Okay. Well, Hello. Welcome Thank you for joining us. Web3. Thank you. So, uh, so, so basically, I think that there's a much bigger, you know, not your keys, not your crypto is, you know, is the watchword of, 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 of our faith, right? Uh, but also, I think you have to think about why that is. And that gets to the base of the conversation we're having now about CZ, etc. And that is that the reason that we need decentralized communications and peer to peer uh, is because it's intermediaries that have been setting the agenda for us for the last couple hundred years uh and that right. these intermediaries have their own uh, they have their own interest and it's what they need to do is to get you to behave in a certain way so that their game works regardless of whether it fits with your self-interest and the idea is to disintermediate these third parties and start to deal with people who have the same self-interest as you uh, so that you can actually trust the, the intelligence of the crowd because you're trusting people with the same interest that you do. And I think that CZ just fits right into this, you know, the reason that, you know, everyone says what they're saying because it fits their self-interest. CZ's not talking about, you know, the his, his interest as an individual. He's speaking as Binance. And if you don't believe in centralized exchanges, then Binance has no business. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I, I also want to uh, uh, to uh, welcome Jesper Toft from uh, from DSU Coin. Uh, welcome back. Good to talk to you, Jesper. Welcome uh, to our show yeah. today. Yeah. Thank you very much, Justin. Thank you. It's Looking good to have to the you. discussion here. Yeah. So, so what what is what is GSU's uh, take on self custody? It's, uh, I think there are pros and cons on both sides. And, you know, uh, in, in general, I'm very much in favor of it, um, that, you know, as much as possible, you should try to, to protect yourself. Nevertheless, if we really want a mass adoption uh, moving forward, we also have to realize that a lot of ordinary users will have a hard time protecting, you know, their, uh, their private keys. And I, right. I think that's, uh, yeah, and, and you know, uh, from, from ordinary people losing their keys to actually becoming a target for, for uh, kidnapping uh, and crimes for people who know you have assets uh, becomes, you know, <clears throat> uh, much more easy. So I think, you know, uh, these companies that offer to help you control it some way, uh, maybe not holding your, um, maybe help you in keeping your keys, but not actually your, uh, yeah, you can't say you keep your keys without keeping your asset. Uh, there, there will be a number of business models uh, moving, uh, emerging as we move forward. Right. I think I think it's important to understand that people definitely there's, there's the there's the issue of losing your keys and people understanding how, you know, how Web3 and how to protect yourself, how that works. Um, yeah. But that doesn't mean that we have to get rid of private keys or that not your not your not your keys, not your crypto is wrong. It just means that we're really early in the adoption and in the technology. You know, we think that we're so far ahead. Yeah. But the truth is. 
we don't, we're nowhere, right? And so it's not going to be a mass adoption until there are killer apps. Killer apps are what drives mass adoption of platforms. We don't have the killer yeah. apps yet. Maybe stable coins are a killer app. I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, you know, so I think what has to happen is not that we lose the concept of, of, of self, uh, you know, self custody, but that we come up with more advanced ways to actually implement it. Right. Yeah. And that, and that, and so, you know, the way that you, I totally agree. And, but, 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 but really you, you already had the market answering Those um, the change. thing because you saw the, you, you saw the, the sale of Ledger and Twister skyrocket after FTX. So <laughs> people are already, you know, moving towards uh, self custody. And I think, you know, uh, that, that, that is obviously as uh, the gentleman from Norway said, um uh you know uh that the way it, it, it is going mm, yeah mm -hmm. so you know uh, of course one of the things i think we're running into when we look at situations like ftx and the many other colorful uh breakdowns of various exchanges and centralized platforms is that it seems like we are reproducing some of the same problems that we have with traditional finance. Um, I think most people maybe know that their bank, you know, that's taking their uh, their checking and their savings account is reinvesting the funds that people put within within the uh, the bank. But there are controls around that, so they don't. It isn't a major focus. But when um, you know, when an exchange does it, they, they, they feel somewhat betrayed. So is, is this a matter of uh, misunderstanding or is this a matter of, uh, well, making investments that are too volatile? Because obviously if, if SPF hadn't lost $3 billion, we wouldn't be in, we would, wouldn't be sitting here right now. We might be still talking about what a genius he was. But, 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 but the, the institution that FTX I, is most like is not a Web3 company. Or, or a self, you know, or a crypto no. company. FTX represents most closely, you know, uh, Chase Bank, right? They yeah, were all an old-fashioned broker. They uh, were literally, uh, but they were literally, they were literally running their own fractional banking system. Instead of being backed right. by the by, by the Fed and U.S. dollars, they were backed by some token called FTT. You know that people were giving them credit for dollar for dollar until the minute when they weren't giving them credit for dollar for dollar, and then you mm -hmm. had to run on the bank. That's all that happened. Right, but, right. But which is great if you can do also, it. I, I, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, uh, Justin, there is actually also this very important thing that, you know, we, we are still in Europe and you're still in, in the U.S., and, and the regulatory paradigm and, and the ways you can actually incorporate businesses and start doing uh, your crypto business whatever format is very different. And you cannot in Europe operate any exchange without having segregated accounts. Mm -hmm. so, so you need to have the client's accounts in, in a separate uh, account with another financial institution. So, <clears throat> so it, it, it's it, the problem, I, I really don't think you would see the problem you have seen with FTX coming out of, of Europe, simply because of, of the way yeah, the legal structure is. Well, but I think that that's true, you know, slightly, but not completely. The real problem with FTX was it had nothing to do with crypto or decentralization, you know, or open ledger or permissionless access. You know, the, the things that are the key 
the, the key elements of protecting yourself by having self-custody were not present in FTX. And if they had been present, then FTX wouldn't have been able to a move the information around which is your you know your money uh you know without mm -hmm. private keys uh and b you would have been able to see it because it would have been on an open ledger that now the people are looking back yeah. they can see everything that happened because it is on an open ledger right when sam uh -huh. bankman freed withdrew half a million dollars last week for his own personal use there were alarm bells going off everywhere in the world right well, yeah, except really he right. apparently had a backdoor, a software backdoor between FTX and Alameda. At least that has been part of the, the things he's been saying in his many interviews leading up to his arrest. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate for a second here and say, well, it sounds like if I interpret what, what both James and Jesper are saying. Oh, and here, let me go. We, uh, I guess, well, should G, I, I guess we have another guest coming. I guess GSC was just listening as well. Um, is, uh, we could say, well, well, great. From the point of view of traditional finance, the problem is that crypto was a wild west with no regulation. So thank God for Gary Gensler, uh, Gensler and his interest in, uh, in crypto. He's going to regulate his securities. Problem solved, right? No, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought I would make everybody happy. We all love right. Gary Gensler here. But, 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 but the, pers the person in the government who had the closest relationship with FTX was Gary Gensler. Right, he was friendly with, right. with, with with he he I think he was one of uh one of uh, you know SBF's you know mentors or teachers at, at Harvard. He was friends with with both his parents. He was the government representative who had the most meetings with SBF. I mean, there there you know Gensler. It's what you're actually mentioning is exactly the problem, right? It's yeah, not you're actually crypto, right. It's not, it's not that crypto failed. It's that we trusted Gensler in these meetings. We trusted SBF. Anyone comes to you and tells you you have to trust them that's the first indication that there's a problem the whole point of of self-custody and crypto and web3 is that you don't have to trust anybody because you can see it before you have to before you have to make a decision and the problem with 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 ftx and the back doors etc again to go to a basic tenet of what has to be for web3 web3 is that you have to have open source software. You need to be able to see the code, right? Because you need to be able to trust that other people smarter than you have also seen the code. And if there's if a problem, one of the millions of people touching it will send an alarm and that people will then, as a crowd, react to assess whether that alarm is real or not. So once you trust you know, uh, Binance, once you trust FTX, once you trust the SEC, once you trust Chase Bank, you're in the position to be taken advantage of because you can only be you can only be taken advantage of by someone who you trusted. Okay, well, fair enough. But I mean, and and it's all fine and well to say uh, do your own research and so forth. But isn't this just a way of shifting responsibility, including responsibility for if you get ripped off? um onto the consumer like shouldn't we have uh guardrails in place if we want to take if we want people to take digital assets seriously as they do with other assets um as don't we need regulations around them to protect the consumer i mean personally i think, I think there is i think i think there is a, uh, you know the the it, it just like you have maybe uh uh, uh a balance in, in the bank um you also, uh, it's not very many years back uh, that people were actually holding, you know, real amounts of cash in their homes. 
And uh, I think, you know, there will still be both. So what we are talking about here is not whether you should have, you know, self-custody of, of part of your holding, but, you know, depending on your situation, uh, it could maybe also be relevant to, to use uh, a partner like a, a, an exchange or a custody company that helps you protect uh, the assets you have. And I think uh, these opportunities will emerge uh, systems, as you just said, killer apps that will, you know, make it easy to handle, will, will, will develop the whole market. At the moment, after FTX, everybody is obviously just saying, I need a, uh, I need a ledger, I need a treasure, I need a, my own hardware wallet. And, uh, and the sale is skyrocketing. And, you know, the, uh, it means that, you know, in half a year or a year, we will see a lot of people saying, hey, I lost my, my hardware wallet, what do I do? And uh, I didn't write down the C phrase. So it's, uh, and then we will see, you know, new solutions coming. I don't think it is like black and white. It depends on your situation. And I think for sure what the, what the positive thing is that with the hardware wallets and with the private keys as an individual, you have the option. You could, you can hold all your assets yourself. If, if, if you have, discipline enough to protect your your codes then then that's you know a good thing to do i think reality is most people do not necessarily have this discipline and if we want the sector to emerge and and you know have real mass adoption we should try to you know look at what what needs to be developed and what needs to be brought into the market so it, it, it's easier to handle these uh, private keys. Mm -hmm. I, just as an example, last week I dropped my phone uh, on the floor and the screen broke and I couldn't see anything. I brought it to the, the, the repair shop and they couldn't repair it. And I, you know, I didn't actually, I, I have a POAP and I didn't actually have the C phrase for the POAP. Um, mm -hmm. Luckily enough, they found the screen, but you know, uh, the, but but you know that's that's even me, who who is in the industry, right? What, what you know? Uh, what do you think is the uh, the the key way for people to get on board with uh, with you know self custody uh, and to make it easier for themselves? Because basically, what uh, what CZ is pointing toward amounts in all cases really to some form of user error uh whether they're you're not uh keeping track of your seed phrase whether it is only weekly protected and then your uh your your uh account gets hacked for example i what, i, what I love my ledger i you know yeah. i i think it it is you know but the first time a colleague uh, gave me a ledger and showed me how to use it it's like any new thing oh this is a little difficult it's new, you know, mm -hmm. I, I rather not. Um, and, and he just, you know, spent five, 10 minutes with me and, you know, it was, you know, imported into MetaMask and whoopsie, there we go. And I love it today. I really feel it's, it's, um, uh, it, it, it's much better than, than not having it. So I, I think it's really about, you know, getting people to try it um, and, you know, promoting it on your channel, making a tutorial video. How do you actually do it? How easy is it? Um, I, I think I, people. I, go ahead, yeah, sorry. 
No, no. I, I mean, I think it's in layers, right? There's com the, the the community at large, the pop, you know, uh, you know, the community of the world, uh, you know, is like a big onion, right? And the middle, there's the kernel of, of people who are, you know, who are looking for decentralization and are techies. And then there's a, a ring around them that's slightly larger that are people that are curious and willing to take risk. And you keep going out until you get to the, you know, to the, to the billions of people in the world. And I think, again, we're still at that inner, inner seed you know, of, in terms of uh, adoption and awareness and desire, uh, you know. So, you know, again, if we want to have, you know, adoption and you want to introduce it to people, the ledger is a great tool. And the concept of how the ledger works is, you know, seminal knowledge uh, to, the, to the decentralized world. But the ledger is not a device that your grandmother is going to use to make daily transactions, right? For sure. Uh, yeah. and, 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 and so, again... We, we need to have the technology become more imbued in the DNA of how we establish relationships personally, social media-wise, uh, you know, ma money and, uh, and commercially for transactions, how we protect our information, how we share, uh, you know, knowledge. Uh, and so this is really what Web3 is about, is about changing the DNA. You know, we had first we had the book, then we had the telephone, you know, telegraph, then we had the telephone, then we had cell phones, right? Then we had e-commerce, right? Remember in the beginning, it was dangerous to put your credit card onto the internet. Yeah, yeah. And everyone said, you know, this is never going to work. It's a joke because, you know, you know, how stupid can you be to put your credit card on the, uh, on the internet? And the, the change wasn't to change, you know, uh, credit cards, or there's probably credit cards, it was to change how things were implemented. You know, so people came up with 2FA, which in the beginning was useless because it was too hard to use. And now it's just built into the recognition of a third device that you have that you have in your possession. Right. And so yeah. the same thing is going to happen with decentralized finance and decentralized communications is that it, this stuff is going to start to be built into the DNA of your phone and the yeah. DNA of the app. You actually, you're, what you're saying is that you really have your own multi-seek. You are your own multi-seek. You have a double or triple security layer. At some point, your actual DNA is going to be that 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 key, actually, right? Uh, you know, or, or some, there'll be some other way that you've that you've become identified as unique and provable. Uh, you know, I, I'm not really for. Uh, body parts being uh, being private keys because I, I would not like a part of my body to be more valuable than I am. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, thinking thinking on the on, on, on the on the on the dark side of all this. Um, mm -hmm. But but I think that there will be ways basically where you can use your phone uh, to do transactions uh, where we peer to peer permissionless uh, and where you know you will not have to transmit information through a third party. Uh, you know, and these things, I don't think it's, I don't think this is futurism. You know, I think this is right around the corner. Uh, but I do also think we're just not there yet. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the days of not only centralized exchanges, but centralized projects are essentially numbered because of this kind of event? Are people going to accept anything less than decentralized governance based on, uh, you know, some sort of uh, weighted, to weighted token-based voting system? I think they're not going to ask. It's, it's like we are, as you said very correctly before, we are, you know, to some extent, techies. We are like quite 
uh, into this and spending, you know, uh, all our waking hours on, on, on this uh, tech and industry and opportunities. But for mass adoption to occur, you know, people they won't they won't if if they can see it and if it works, then they believe it. I think, uh, and that's if we if we want to prevent the FTX, there needs to be some way of middle solution between the totally centralized uh, uh, scam of FTX and and the very difficult to use uh, hold your own keys because it is difficult. My old mother wouldn't you know how to do it. So so it's um, and 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 that that needs to be solved mm-hmm. and speaking of which if anyone uh, joining us today has any questions about self-custody and that sort of thing we'd be glad to do that please go ahead and follow the speakers and, and my my co-host uh jose uh thank you so much for joining us everyone today go ahead and tweet out the event let's get some more people following and so forth that would be great um but you know it it, it seems that We've got a situation here with billions of dollars, uh, hundreds of billions pouring in out of uh, the digital asset space. And yet we are going to maintain that the only way to have a good user experience is by trusting your uh, funds, your digital funds, in the hands of a total third party that may or may not be accountable. Um, You know, this is... This is a situation that sometimes, sometimes some of the, the things that we uh, come up with in the crypto world seems a little bit disingenuous to me. Uh, just uh, I, uh, you know, I can't believe that we haven't come up with it, put enough uh, money into GameFi to actually produce a decent game, and I can't believe that there hasn't been enough money put into crypto at this point to come up with a self custody solution that isn't a risky pain in the ass. That where if I I lose my uh, seed phrase, I might actually lose these things forever and so forth. We say, on the one hand, that we want all people to participate, that this is a global decentralized currency that is meant to democratize access for everyone, but I don't think that's necessarily consistent with the actions of projects who haven't necessarily made this easier for uh, for customers. What links do they need to go to to make this easy for customers? Is it a matter of education? Is it a matter of a better UX? No, so, so, so I, I think again, one of the things you realize, you know, in in the real world, is when you're educating people, you're not selling them, right? Right. Uh, and, and so the answer is, it needs to be again built into the DNA of the offering from the platform, so that you know, if if you told me that I needed to know the names of the parts under the hood of my car before I could run my car, I would not have a car right i I don't need to know how how an airplane works i don't need to know how my cell phone works i don't need to know how my television works right all i need to know is what need does it fulfill and can i figure out how to use it and is there and the real bottom line is go back to steve jobs you know is there magic to it does it does do something that i know that i already need to do and makes it better and i can habituate it because it's enjoyable and accomplishes the need and so this is not a technology issue. This is not a UX issue. This is a marketing issue, right? How do I build my products and how do I deliver them to consumers in a way where if I'm trying to tell you about blockchain, I'm trying to tell you about protocols, and I'm trying to tell you about permissionless, you're just going to glaze over, right? 
Instead, what's going to happen is that you're going to start to be attracted to the features that are endemic to Web3, you know, open source permissionless platforms. It's going to be faster. It's going to be cheaper. It's going to pay you to participate, right? It's going to be scalable. It's going to be more secure. And you're going to basically see those marketing terms and say, hey, I'll definitely take that, right? And I, I think... Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I think when, when, when we will see some offerings in in the web free space where the consumer who is not in the space yet really want to adopt, they will also find out how to do it. And the more easy uh, the usage of Ledger and Treasure and other hardware wallets become, uh, the faster they will they will act. Uh, so it's it's like both having applications in the market that really attracts people say, hey, you can actually do this. You can actually participate in this, uh, whatever thing goes on. And, and, uh, but, but then you need to have this. And then they would actually, you know, move towards the self-custody. And so it, it's not like one thing that needs to happen. It's a number of things that will happen in a process. And I think it will accelerate. And I think, you know, we will eventually end up in a very, very different system as what we see today, where people to a very high extent have self-custody over their assets. Mm -hmm. You know, do you think that this will be the year that I I was, I was writing, I was doing a write-up last night specifically about BitBoy, who's one of Ben Armstrong, who's one of the, uh, the biggest crypto influencers online right now you know, making a prediction that this was going to be the year that Ripple was going to finally settle its two-year-long suit and struggle with the with the SEC. So they finally get out from underneath the Ripple curse, and he went on further to predict the resignation of Gary Gensler. I don't know what that's based on, but he did say that. Um, you know, are, are we... And that is a resolution that will affect the whole industry. You know, is it... Um, is it going I, to I come think, down to better regulation? I think it's the SEC that needs to settle with Ripple and not the other way around. Because if they keep on suing, uh, you know, the companies in the market, they will find, you know, other places to go. And it's like you cannot, you know, run around, sue people because you think, you know, you can get a benefit out of it. And and from a from a... You know, our perspective here in Europe, it seems more like, you know, one uh, institution uh, fights another institution in who should have the control in the U.S. market. And, you know, it, it doesn't seem it, it, it's I think it's Gary Gansler who needs to settle and not Ripple. Ripple will, you know, uh, <laughs> grow. Uh, I'm not sure Gary Gansler will. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, certainly, he he does seem to have had uh, it, it's it's been framed as almost a grudge between him and Ripple. Although I'm not sure what they've done to earn uh, this this ire, especially except raise uh, 1.2 billion dollars. That that's what seems to to have their attention. Um, James, I know that you you come from a, a traditional finance. Um, you know what? What's what's your assessment of of where the U.S. is on a, in terms of regulatory structure uh, versus? I, I know you worked a little bit in Asia versus the APAC region versus you know Europe, other parts of the world. Well, what's the question? 
Uh, you know, how would you, you say, you know, how are we in the U.S. in terms of our regulatory structure? Is it something that's actually holding back innovation here in the U.S.? I mean, yeah, without question. Um, the, the, you know, when I was historically, uh, when I was historically working at Bear Stearns or ING Bearings uh, in the 1990s, and I was, you know, lucky enough to take public the first company in China to list on the New York Stock Exchange, um, you know, I was exporting, I represented, a represent, you know, the, the U.S. and access to the U.S. capital markets because we were the most significant capital, you know, equity capital market in the world. And if you wanted to be a significant uh, participant in the global economy, you had to get, you know, you had to get to NASDAQ, you had to get to the New York Stock Exchange. Um, and it was because it was believed that we were a country of laws uh, and that things were predictable and that you could rely on us. Uh, and that we wouldn't use the dollar ever as a political tool, and that we would never, you know, consider um, in any way uh, weakening the world, the, the global trust in the U.S. dollar and in our legal and um, uh, and finance markets. And I think that we've really, unfortunately, gotten away from that uh, as uh, as a part of a larger global, you know, a larger domestic and global um, political. Um, situation where we've started to think that things are more important than the good faith and credit of the U.S. government and then the U.S. currency. Uh, you know, we've started again to make put in a larger context. We've started to use the dollar as a political tool to punish other countries uh, for for actions that we feel are uh, you know are inappropriate, and you know that's a political decision. Uh, whether it's right or wrong, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to get into on this call, uh, but certainly it's impossible to argue that it doesn't denigrate the value of the dollar or the U.S. system as the ultimate arbiter of fairness, right? So what ha what's happened now is that we are, you know, A, in the situation where we're using our political and our monetary and our reg regulatory systems as a way to punish other parties, uh, regardless of what, what might be right or fair. And then secondly, uh, we've actually, I think, lost our, uh, you know, to put it in a, in a term we could put here, our cojones, uh, you know, in, in, that, uh, in, in that, you know, we're afraid to make decisions. Everybody's so worried about maintaining their current position and not losing power, you know, in the government and as a regulator, et cetera. Uh, and in the capital markets, that this new crypto thing has come about, and instead of being clear about what we're, what we think about it and what the, how the government will treat it, the government is instead, as we're doing with Ripple, uh, is trying to legislate by example, as opposed to through legislation and raw and and, and reliable. Uh, you know, published rules. So instead of telling you what you know where the safe harbors are, because our system works on safe harbors, you know, you, the lawyers, bankers, and accountants—they're not really valuable except for their opinion letter saying that your transaction fits in a safe harbor. So therefore, they could tell you that the government shouldn't come after you, and then you can rely on that letter as an insurance policy if they do come after you. And they will not give you those letters in transactions relating to crypto because the government hasn't told them what the safe harbor is. And they're afraid, again, to put their cojones on the line, right? Sure. And, and so what's happened is we've lost our position as the most reliable, foreseeable, and trustworthy fair market. 
and so what's happened is if you look at the, the crypto industry and you look at the t top 20 protocols, 19 of the top 20 protocols are not in the U.S. There's no trillion dollar industry in the world where the U.S. Right. is so underrepresented. And guess what? The one of the 20 that is in the U.S. is being sued. <laughs> right, right. Fair so, enough. So think about it. Why yeah. would you? Why would you come here? <laughs> why would you do it? I mean, the advice you have to give to someone who wants to be, you know, to, to go for this new, this new, this new world of transactions and relationships and trust, you know, and, and truth without trusting, is your first step is you have to stay outside the United States. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I, I I would hazard a guess that people uh, still come here and still open up, uh, you know, crypto projects here. Uh, because of the marketing value of that, the, the, like look at the space that like Coinbase has tried to occupy, for example, by being you know the one uh, you know big resident U.S. based uh, exchange. It puts them you know, there is a perception of U.S. technology and innovation, which which might be outdated at this point, and maybe or at least in reference to Web three, but not, nonetheless, it, it's still kind of been out there. Um, but it, you know, it, yeah. The, the, the real uh, question you should ask yourself, why do you not have 25 coin bases? Why mm -hmm. do you not have a plurality of, of, of them? And, you know, that, that's the real question because you have one, and I really think, you know, the inflow they have had of U.S. clients shows the, uh, the, the average American's interest in, in, you know, participating in this new technology. But obviously... Mm -hmm the offerings they have available are not very many compared uh -huh. to when we had the, uh, the dot com emerging. Um, that was like you had a, you know, a forest of trees, you know, of opportunities in front of you here. You don't have that many things actually going on. And uh, I, I think uh, what James just, just said is 100% correct. Like 100%. And, 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 but it's not, it's a little different. And, and to some extent, it's a little worse in Europe. Because you had Christine Lagarde for, from the ECB just, you know, a couple of weeks back saying that, that, uh, they actually, the ECB, when they are working with their, uh, CDBC project, they want to be able to control people's money, the individual's you know, holdings. And she did not even try to hide it. She said it directly. There is a, there is a, a video, mm -hmm. you know, on LinkedIn where she says directly, we, this will be uh, the priority uh, to prevent any money laundering, uh, anti-money laundering. So it's, you know, that's a scary thing. And that's why people should really move to, you know, uh, self-custody of their assets. On, mm -hmm. on a chain that is not controlled by the ECB. Well, well, you, you raise an interesting point. I mean, as I alluded to earlier, uh, what these exchanges are doing in terms of reinvesting customer funds may go against their own stated policies, and uh, because they're not because there's no transparency, that it's ultimately fraudulent. However, it is in line with what uh, you know real IRL banks actually do, and and it's been argued to me before that if um, traditional banks didn't have the opportunity to invest the funds that they collected 
it would not be a worthwhile business in a lot of ways that that accruing these huge piles of liquidity is part of the advantage of being a bank um you know and so so what's the problem here is the problem just that he did it so or that Sam Bankman Freed did it so haphazardly and lied about it or uh, are people going to put up with this idea of their funds being reinvested at all? What do you think, James? You're setting up an exchange. Well, uh, we're not setting up an exchange, uh, and and I, you know, again, I don't believe in centralized exchanges as a way to protect yourself. Uh, so, um, you know, what's but what's exactly your question? Um, my, you know, are customers going to demand essentially that uh, funds that I mean that the funds that they invest uh, with these exchanges be locked away, or is that a naive expectation since that's not how traditional banks work? We we have been conditioned to believe that there is safety in the central banking system in the U.S. and in and in uh, Europe. We've been conditioned to not ask questions about fractional banking uh, or to question whether there would whether the guarantee of FDIC has value or not. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, the majority of people, uh, would say that, you know, that the thing ain't broke, don't fix it, shut up and go back to your desk and put your money in the bank and look at your account, you know, uh, religiously study your FICO score and believe that all these different entities are acting in your best faith because this is, you know, because, you know, make America great again or whatever the slogans are, right? Uh, and so right. until that changes, and it, you know, may, may not change, I don't want it to change, but if there's an event or two that looks like FTX, what happens in the current banking in, in the in the in the legacy banking system? Then you start to doubt it. And you know, I'd like to point out that you know, again, I always want people to do well and be happy, uh, and have no desire for anything negative to happen. But in the past, you know, fifty, hundred years, there have been events in the United States, uh, and certainly there have been repeated events in in the emerging markets where the government has come in and said that those accounts that you have at centralized you know, uh, depositories are just not yours, right? Like you're not allowed to hold gold anymore. We'll take that. Thank you very much, right? Right. Uh, or in Latin America, you know, in Brazil and Argentina, there's been several uh, times where people have woken up in the morning and the government said, you don't need more than $10,000 in your bank account, and we took the rest of it. Thank you very much. Right. And so you have, to, you know, so there's, you know, people go to try and get their money out of Chase or, or out of Bank of America and are told, you know, on a uh, thousands of times a day where people are told you can't access your funds because we think there's impropriety, whether there is or not, who knows, or because you're on some government list and, and it's a felony for them to tell you which government list, uh, you know, and you can't access your capital. And so there, you know, I think that the real movers in the market are going to be when when there are events where people can't access their money or where the system fails, as it did in two thousand eight, which, by the way, was the birth, you know, was the was the the birth reason uh, for Bitcoin, right? Was sure. the financial crisis of two thousand eight. So, and what happened then was the banks were lying to you 
They knew that they had securities that weren't, that weren't valuable enough. They knew that the fractional system had broken and that they'd over-levered. And what, they, what did they do? Did they call you up and tell you to protect you to take your money out? Of course not. They protected themselves. They protected their, their own bonuses and their positions. They immediately tried to blame anyone else they could, and they restricted your, the, 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 the consumer's ability to access their capital. And people panicked, and people lost their homes. Right, and then the government right. came, the government came in, and the government didn't repay all the mortgages, so that the people could be whole. The government gave the money to the banks, who then gave it to each other and paid themselves bonuses, while uh -huh. individuals went bankrupt. Right. Yes. Sure. So, 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 so the thing is, it's going to take that kind of exotic, that kind of shock. Those uh -huh. to make people realize, and I, and I don't, you know, I have no desire to have it happen. But my fear is that when it does happen, we're unprepared because we're asleep at the switch, thinking, "Oh, don't worry, I'm safe." It's the U.S. dollar, and we just have right. to make sure that our. And, and the answer here is political. You know, vote for people who actually, you know, who who represent protecting us. You know, and also vote with your feet. And, you know, and protect some of your assets in a way where it's not in one system so that you haven't made a single bet uh, on what protects you in the future. I, I think so, you are right in, in the respect that the, the, the whole, uh, and in, in the perspective of, you know, self-custody, it, it's, there is no other option for the individual than moving towards self-custody. Because if you look at the, you know, latest numbers from the U.S., the average, the average public debt in the U.S., everybody, all the, also for all the guys, you know, who doesn't even have a bank account, is $95,000. Mm -hmm. It's the average public debt. Then you have, then you have your private debt, most likely, uh, uh, to pay. Uh, and, and how in the world will you do that? Just to make a, a comparison, in Denmark, the same number is 22,000. So it's, it's almost, almost five times more. And, mm -hmm. it's, uh, and, and it's just, it, it's not possible to handle anymore. And for that reason alone, people should move to self-custody because as James correctly says, there will be problems coming. And one day you can't take your... Uh, digital money out of, of your bank account. At that time, you really want to have your, you know, digital cash on your, with your private keys. And, mm -hmm. and it will occur eventually. So, you know, we're going into a brand new shiny year here in uh, 2023, you know, uh, to do a little bit better by DLTX, you're a web three developer. You, uh, provide data storage for Filecoin, you uh, hash power, do hash power for uh, Bitcoin protocol, and work with a number of other projects as well. Uh, very big on development, very big on decentralization, which would be great. Sorry, you not an exchange. I uh, that was completely it's mixed it's up okay. with somebody else. We're, 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 ba we're basically trying to be the picks and shovels, right? We look at emerging right. markets, and this is mm -hmm. and we re we realize I don't know which protocol is going to win. I don't know which app is going to win, right? I don't know which which platform is going to win, but I do know that they're going to need decentralized communications. It's just like mm -hmm. you know, in the beginning of the internet, we needed more bandwidth. 
right? Uh, you needed fiber optics. Uh, you know, you needed to have the, you know, the internet itself. And so what we're doing is focusing on those tools that people are gonna need, storage, relay, uh, you know, bandwidth, uh, a general mm -hmm. ledger, which we think Bitcoin is. And so we think that, that no matter what happens, those activities are gonna grow and we're building a boat that will float on that, on that river. Well, since you're in the business of technical solutions around these things, what do you see as being, you know, the innovation that's going to help sort out this problem in 2023? Because right now it seems like neither of our solutions, uh, you know, giving it to some anonymous third party to hold on to uh, with some, you know, kind of good faith promise <laughs> is as leads us to situations like FTX. It is, and also CZ's point about the dangers of self custody are also valid. You can lose your key that way. You can lose access to your funds that way. Um, you know, from a uh, from a developer's point of view, for someone innovating in the space, what do you think the uh, the compromise is going to be? Are are is blockchain going to have anything for us to help ameliorate this problem? Um, you know, I think that. Uh that there's a lot of really, really smart people, uh, you know, smart, passionate people focused on these issues. I don't know. Uh, I don't want to be the person that says that, that 2023, you know, is is the year uh, or not. Um, I hope it is. I think we'll be moving towards the goal. Um, but the thing that's going to happen that needs to happen is that people need to start now looking at the tools that have been developed uh, to, to access this. I mean, for instance, you know, so we work on like what would be equivalent to HTTP or DNS, which are things which the general public doesn't even know what they are, but they enable internet communications, right? Uh, and so, sure. so right now, you have these blockchains, you have these protocols, you have some layer two solutions uh, that, that, act, that, that give you more scalability and security and speed. And now it's upon the people who are developing the actual apps for individuals uh, to start to step forward to create some the opportunity for, for, for uh, more mainstream adoption uh, through what I think is going to be iPhone applications. So I think that the iPhone is as Steve Jobs, you know, foresaw, you know, in 2000, in, in the year 2000, uh, that this is going to be your communication tool, maybe a new something will replace the iPhone in the future, but not yet. Um, and so you, wh when, wh when you start to see little buttons on your phone, that are faster, cheaper, that maybe compensate you, that pay attention to you as an individual, that don't strip you of your rights to your own data, uh, that don't allow your information to be sold or leveraged without your permission uh, or without your knowledge. That I think those things will become more attractive to people and people will uh, will will migrate towards them, you know, not with, you know, demand pull, wanting more, once you have the first taste, you'll want more and more of that. And I think that we, the thing that's happened, that hasn't happened yet, and that, that the reason why these conversations are still so early, is you're still waiting for the killer app. You're still waiting for Lotus 123 or Microsoft Word. Right. And mm -hmm. so right now, you know, to say to, to say so, you know, right now, if I told you my company is amazing, it uses Microsoft Word and we also use, you know, the, you know, uh, you know, my other Microsoft services. So you should really use me because I'm a great I'm a, I'm a great vendor. I'd look at you like you're an idiot. Right. And, right. and so and so to tell me my company is great because it uses a blockchain. Right. And, you know, and and it also works on Polygon, you know. Who cares? 
right? And, that, and right. that's where we still are. I still have to say, this is a Polygon NFT. You should really buy it, right? Uh, and, and, and to me, I look and say, as long as you have to say that, it's not interesting to me. This is a, mm -hmm. this is a button you push that puts your money, your value into a place where it earns returns and is not at risk from third parties manipulating it right and is easy to use and accepted where you want to spend your money wow i want that right and sure so, so, absolutely so i think that i think that's what we're waiting for uh, Je jasper uh gsu coin uh you know it, it's 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 a price stable um yeah stable coin stable token uh, you know, obviously, the expectations and pressure on stable coins right now has increased quite uh, quite a bit, and the need for um, transparency overall has increased quite a bit. I think palpably in the past three months. You know what? Yeah. What does GSU have in mind for twenty twenty three? Obviously, there are a I lot have. of people who are trying to be hopeful. What? What? Are, what? Uh, kind of innovations do you have for them to help make GSU uh, a good fit for the uh, 2023 atmosphere we're in? Yeah, I, I think it would be a fantastic year. And, you know, we, we uh, launched a protocol on, on Girlie Tested mid-November. At that time, we had 140 followers on a Twitter channel. And, you know, I, I looked at the guys and say, how many are we going to have? And, you know, we agreed on... 14,000 before New Year, and the day before, we passed 14,000. So, you know, we had 5,000 people joining the testing in since mid-November, and uh, the traction to the GSU, you know, I haven't seen anything like this. I was part of the dot-com wave as well, and it, it's, uh, it's really, really, you know, dramatic. I think what we see, and I think James said it very correctly, that, you know, the U.S. has compromised themselves uh, in regards to their deficit, in regards to how they have had their currency. And I think there is, if, if you look at the world, you know, 5% of the individuals live outside the U.S. To them, the U.S. dollar is not the currency. And the function of the GSU is that it is stable to every single one. Whether you are in Norway, you are, you know, in Nigeria or in Nepal, it is, it is proportionally equally stable. And it is documented by the Institute of Mathematics in, in, at Copenhagen University to overall reduce global exchange rate volatility with more than 50%. The numbers, you know, you can, you can extract from that are so uh, humongous that they make no sense to actually say. But the point mm -hmm. is... It's a common denominator of shared reduced stability. So you will not get into a fight when you actually make a transaction who should have the benefit of the stability. And you see this, this is actually, when we, when we talk about it here in the office, you know, I said in, in 97, 98, we had the, the old world and we had the new technology of the internet coming and you had some industries moving into the new, uh, you taking the new technology, that would be like the newspapers. That would be like the bookstores. They said, hey, this is a new channel where we can distribute what we are already doing. But also, out of the technology came some brand new 
functions that you didn't have before. That would be the hotels and the Expedia. That would be that, that revolutionized the travel agent industry. That would be the Skype that, that transformed, you know, the, the telecom industry. That would be the Facebook, et cetera. And we are, we are that application which is not possible in the old world, but comes out of the blockchain that has a broad adoption. You know, mm -hmm. we have, um, you know, it, it, it's, I, I really, really, you know, we have a launch uh, plan that it will be, you know, mm -hmm. start, you know, trading at the end of this quarter. So it's yeah. not very far away. And uh, we are doing the best we can to, you know, prepare for it. <laughs> Who do you think yeah. will be the biggest winners in 2023, Jesper? It, it will. Uh, I, I think we, uh, you know, of course, I'm pointing to to our uh, office. Besides, but besides I, I, I think I think point. really those those who <laughs> I, I think really those who you know walk their talk and bring applications, makes applications available uh, to the more ordinary user if we talk about the onion where we are very much in the middle uh, i'm not sure we will get to the outer layer but you know at least we can move out a little bit so we can have a wider adoption maybe we will see some more easy retail adoption um i think you know there is this statistic that i'm sure you saw it already today on linkedin that the use of staple coins i uh, exceeded one of the big card issuers, I think it was, um, that, and I think that will really, really accelerate because, you know, it, it is, we have suppliers in Asia uh, and they, they say, yes, but could you please just send us some, you know, uh, die uh, instead of, you know, trying to make a bank transaction. And I just go and buy some die and I send them the die and they have them in five minutes and they um, go and pay their employees in it. I, I, I need to run soon uh, at the top of the hour. Um, I think that the big winner in the next coming year is going to be um, stable coins, going back to, the, to, to reinforce the last point. Um, because, it, because it just is simpler, faster, easier, and more reliable than, than going to your bank account and trying to figure out how to send a wire. Or you know, if you use Zelle or any of those other interbank platforms, they have the same disadvantage as crypto. If you send it to the wrong guy, you can't get your money back, right? Mm, um, right. So, so, so I think, and I think that you'll start to see, especially for cross-border transactions, that people are less willing to put up with SWIFT and BIS and all those other platforms when you could just, I think people will start to have simple killer apps uh, that basically allow people to transfer money uh, using, you know, using um, stablecoin uh, to move back and, and forth. And yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It, it, there will be the ease of use will, you know, be the, the main driver. And then we have also the DeFi. You did see both JP Morgan, DBS, BBVA, you know, uh, and, and late, most lately uh, Goldman Sachs saying that, you know, they are moving into DeFi. And I think that's, you know, that will be super interesting to see what, you know, how and you know what they are going to do and how they're going to do it but all three major banks you know have publicly announced that they're moving in that direction and that's sure, really yeah. interesting yeah they're having a lot of announcements like that it's interesting how even as uh 
there's kind of a, a you know we're having a bit of a chilly time in the crypto space it's interesting to note that a lot of uh traditional uh, huge financial players are are moving into that space regardless of this little bear market that we're in right now uh you, you think I, that I don't, says I, something I, I, about go ahead yeah, I, I don't think really. We, I, I think I also said it when we, we spoke last. It's like, I, it, it's very unfortunate to all the ones who, who believe they made a billion or, or you know, just a, a huge profit and they had like uh, the experience of the bear market. But in reality, I think it's, it's really, really healthy uh, because those who have a true value proposition, they will now emerge. And if you look at, if you go back to the 97, 99, 2000, everything was booming. Then we had a drop in 2000 and 2001. But that was when Google emerged. That was when, you know, uh, you had uh, Amazon, you know, you know uh, emerging among all the others that then disappeared. And, and that's what we are going to see now. We are going to see this is I, I see the, the value of the market will be very, very much higher in a few years. And the technology works. That's why the big guys are moving in. And so I'm really, really, you know, only positive. Yes, there was a little bit of beating last year, uh, but the sun is going to shine again. It, it, it's going to be very, very interesting. And I think we will see real deep innovation coming into the space that will drive the mass adoption. And uh, we have some, you know, conflicts in the old world, especially with the dollar debt. Uh, you have on one, one side of the coin, you have the exchange rate. On the other side, you have the debt. They are out of sync right now. And, and that uh -huh. would be, I think that would be the topic of 2023. I think that yeah. is, you know, uh, today we have 99% dollar stable coins. I think that will not be the same in a year. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's interesting. It does seem to be uh, a good opportunity for actual growth with real use cases in the industry. Um, also, interesting to note that we are approaching, I think, on the 10th, the anniversary of, uh, of uh, Nakamoto's, um, Satoshi Nakamoto's last correspondence with one of the Bitcoin uh, core developers. An email uh, which took place on uh, January tenth, two thousand eleven. Um, you think we're still going to see a, a, a? Are you looking forward to a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar Bitcoin by the end of the year, like like Tim Draper? I'm I'm not going to predict you know <laughs> anything that would be like financial advice, and I must stress I don't give that. Uh, but I definitely think uh, see a bright future for the Bitcoin. There is there, there no way around it. You know, right. every day, every day you have a new financial institution in the world deciding to distribute Bitcoin to their users. How can it not increase in value? Right. Um, well, thank you, everyone, for joining us very much today. Uh, thank you, Jesper and James, who I believe already had to drop off, but that's fine. That's cool. Um, yeah. You know, we were hoping to – I also had uh, – 
another guest lined up from Solidity. So I hope to get the, them on uh, for maybe our next show because that would be very, very cool. We're going to keep everyone. We're going to keep tracking trends uh, and following news stories uh, within uh, 2023. Maybe uh, next uh, episode will be devoted to uh, having some people make, um, although I, I read today that it's the fool's errand trying to predict what Bitcoin and crypto in general is going to do. Prognostication is always kind of a funny business to be in but there are those people out there willing to make those bets so <laughs> it'll be maybe we'll have uh we'll, we'll have a free-for-all next next episode with people talking about the reasons behind their uh their different predictions for, for bitcoin in 2023 that that would be kind of interesting yeah but that, thank that could be interesting Thank you, thank Justin. You so much. Thank you so much. And Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year to everyone listening. Please take the time to uh, get away from your computer, at least occasionally today. Um, you take care of yourself. I'm, I'm about to go take the dog for a walk. That's how I, how I stay sane. Um, Jose, uh, how are you doing over there, man? Do you have anything to add? All good. All good. What an interesting space today. Yeah? I have to say thank you very much. Thank you very much for everyone who joined. Thank you, Jasper. Justin, what to say about you? It's a pleasure co-hosting <laughs> with you. It's been a pleasure, both of you. And, and uh, thank you for listening to all the audience. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you, Jesper. It's always great to have you on. Uh, we're, to those of us who, who remember our episode, I guess two episodes ago, that was specifically on hip-hop and Web3, we're going to be revisiting that topic in a really cool exciting way in the next uh, couple of weeks so we're going to have an announcement about that that i very much look forward to in the meantime probably going to talk about bitcoin price predictions for 2023 if you have another topic you'd like to focus on that's ripped straight out of the headlines you're welcome to dm me or go ahead and at me on twitter and and we'll uh we'll go ahead and and, and bear them in mind because we we're we're here trying to uh cover the topics that are things that people are already are, that are already trending and people are already talking about and lord it, it's good to just get away from talking about sbf just for an episode or two he <laughs> comes up anyway but I, we've done so much talking about sbf up to this point that holy lord well anyway happy new year jesper and it's been good talking with everyone uh you take care thank you for joining us today thank you very much justin have a good day all right. Take care, everyone. See you on Thursday at 12 p.m. ET, uh, where we'll be talking about Bitcoin price predictions. Uh, and of course, uh, Jose will be there as well. Peace, everyone.